0: In today's episode, we'll be telling a story, not only of three friends who always end up in a cramped car together, but also of our planet. Why do we have mountains? Why do we have hot springs? What even is Yellowstone? To answer these questions, we'll dive into the world of plate tectonics. Hi, I'm Kate Harubi, and this is Go Forth in Science Podcast, where we combine adventure and science into a tale that will hopefully make the next time you step outside even better. Our planet is like one of those fancy chocolates that relatives give you for the holidays, with the gooey insides and the solid outsides, except because it came with them in their luggage, it's kind of all broken and some of the gooey stuff is spilling out. That's our Earth, except the gooey stuff is thousands of degrees and doesn't always ooze out. Sometimes it explodes in a fiery shower of lava or superheated water. And of course, it's all made of rock, not chocolate and sugar. If you all hearken back to elementary school science, I know, it's been a while. You'll remember the pictures of our earthy sphere with a chunk cut away to see the innards of our planet. It's generally made up of four layers, the inner core, the outer core, the mantle, and the crust. Basically, everything we know about the inside of our planet is because of earthquakes, which scientists can use to essentially x-ray these layers. Depending on where in the world an earthquake reaches and how long it takes to get there, we can get an idea of what the interior of our world looks like. But that's a whole other jar of peanuts, and today I'm going to focus on my two favorite layers of the earth, the mantle and the crust. Most of our planet is the mantle, a bunch of superheated rock that can range from hundreds of degrees at the top to thousands of degrees at the bottom. This temperature difference drives a nifty physical phenomenon, convection. If you've ever boiled a pot of water or watched a lava lamp, yes, those are still awesome, you'll have experienced convection firsthand. A heating element, like a stove top, heats up water at the bottom of the pot. As the water warms at the bottom, it becomes less dense than the colder water above it, and so it rises to the top of the pot, and the cold, dense water replaces it at the bottom. Then this colder water warms up, rises to the top, and you get what comes next. Pretty soon you have a rolling boil ready for that mac and cheese. In the mantle, the molten rock is getting heated by the core, circulating to the top of the mantle by the crust cooling down, and cycling back down to the bottom again. This happens slowly, because we are talking about rock here, but does keep the mantle continuously moving, which brings us to the next point. Unlike a boiling pot of water, we have something floating on the top of our mantle, the crust. Earth's crust is broken up into sections called tectonic plates. The major continents are all made up of big plates, and there are smaller ones scrunched up along their edges. The current suggestion by scientists is that there are up to 159 tectonic plates, when you count the big ones and the little ones. The biggest plate is the Pacific Plate, which sits under the Pacific Ocean and is a fifth of the surface area of our planet. Because the mantle is moving and these plates are floating on top, the tectonic plates move as well, and basically act like ten-year-olds at a bumper car birthday party. When the plates run into each other, it's called a convergent boundary. The North American plate is moving to the west, so the Pacific Northwest is a type of convergent boundary called the subduction zone, where a small plate off the coast is getting sucked under the land of North America. As that small plate gets brought down to the mantle, it heats up and causes magma, or lava that's still inside the earth, to rise and form the volcanoes that have made the Cascade mountain range so famous. When the plates move away from each other, it's called a divergent boundary. This is happening between the North American and Eurasian plates right now, and we have the beautiful country of Iceland because of it. Since the plates are spreading apart, magma is brought to the surface to fill that gap, providing the country with its hot, sulfuric water, volcanoes, and great opportunities for geothermal energy. There is one other mantle-related process that I have to mention, and that's a hotspot. I have to bring this up because you might be thinking, Kate, there are hot springs and volcanic evidence in Yellowstone, but that's in the middle of the continent. Hotspots are places where the mantle comes up closer to the surface and provides heating and volcanic activity that way. It doesn't necessarily mean that there are two plates moving in that area, it just means that there's a bubble of mantle underneath it. But how hotspots do tie into plate tectonics is that you can often see how the plates have moved based on where the hotspots used to be. Yellowstone is the bit of crust that is currently above that hotspot, but there is a string of old lava tubes and volcanic rock that are scattered to the west of Yellowstone, each of which was the product of that land once being over the hotspot. We can also thank hotspots and moving tectonic plates for the islands of Hawaii. These convergent boundaries, divergent boundaries, and hotspots produce mountains, heat surface water, and create that cool, bubbly volcanic rock all of which are things that many of us, myself included, have traveled across the world to experience. So now that I've given the five-minute quick course of plate tectonics, let me bring on two of my best adventure buds, who have traveled with me from Iceland to the Pacific Northwest, always in cramped cars, and always on the hunt for that perfect hot spring. This is Katie and Matt, two of my best friends and my adventure buddies. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves
1: at all? Hi, I'm Katie. Uh, I went to school with Kate in Maine. We've been adventure bunnies since... Bunnies? We've been adventure bunnies since 2012 bunnies. when we night hiked a mountain together and it's been adventure ever since. That hike was
0: great. <laughs> really muddy. Our flashlights all died.
1: But: um, worth yeah, it. it was scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt. I'm
2: Katie's significant other. Also, all friends from UNE.
0: So we made it through four years of undergrad together and went on so many adventures, many of which I will probably talk about in future episodes of this podcast. The post-undergrad big trip that we went on was when I was in grad school and you guys were both in Boston. And I texted you in the middle of the night sometime in December 2017. And I was like, hey, what are you doing in march and you were like oh cool are we going on a spring break trip And i was like yeah we're going to iceland (laughs) so what made you want to say yes to my crazy suggestion of let's go to iceland when it's freezing outside
2: oh my god obviously that the tickets were cheap
1: (laughs) yeah true (laughs) honestly because i know basically nothing about geology and glaciers and i i had read um oh my god journey to the center of the earth which is based <laughs> yeah. on the glaciers in iceland i was like i'm gonna go see that glacier that that guy wrote about and we did yeah we saw that glacier
2: <laughs> so i heard that iceland had water even colder than boston or maine in the winter so i was like yes i want to go there and get in that <laughs>
0: Yeah, Matt, you ended up going diving between the European and then the North American plates. What was that experience like?
2: It was really, really cool. So I think the disclaimer, because you're going to have a bunch of nerds listening, uh, so it's a little more complicated than just, like, the straight-up boundary between the plates because there's all kinds of different cracks and fissures and offshoots there, but it it basically is a rift zone between the—it's either— Actually, between the American and Eurasian plate or like this other little plate that's sort of a tiny chunk in between them in there, but it's pretty much a two or 300 foot deep crack that's filled with aquifer water. So it's got incredibly clear visibility and it's just this wild place to go diving. You can see 120 feet through the water, which is very different from the five you can see around Boston. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's almost no life to see in the water. I guess apparently there are some fish that come out at night when you're not looking, but it's really just a geology spectacle and it's amazing.
0: Future Kate here. A rift zone is just another way to say that the earth is splitting apart, like a divergent boundary. And in terms of the tectonic plates involved in Iceland, it is the North American and the Eurasian plates. There's just a branching of the rift into the Eurasian plate, making a sort of peninsula that meets up with the North American plate in the southwest of Iceland, around Thingvellir National Park, where we spent the day exploring the geology above and below the surface of the water, and whose website is an awesome place to learn more about this region.
1: What was y'all's favorite memory
0: from that Iceland trip? There are a lot of them.
1: There is so much cool stuff. Obviously, the first thing we have to talk about is the, the hot springs. Yeah. We found a couple that were just on the side of the highway.
2: Yeah, the, the off-the-beaten-path so, sort of secret semi-locals-only hot springs were definitely
1: the move yeah like take a left at the sign go until you see this abandoned house and then get out of your car and walk until you find it yeah so, yeah it yeah. was in
0: the middle of this field so you could only tell where it was based on where the steam was coming out of the ground
1: yeah
0: yeah but as cool
2: as that one was the hot river easily takes the cake the hot river the was the awesome. thing yeah That was also the same place with a gas station that had a mineral museum in it. Oh,
1: yeah. Which,
0: to this day, is still the best rock museum I've ever been to. It was amazing.
2: Yeah. But really, the cool thing there is the Hot River, which is just amazing. It's a hot spring, but it's a flowing river of hot spring.
1: And we met those other people from Massachusetts there. They're from, like, two Uh, towns over. Right. I remember being in Iceland and hearing all the different accents and then... Hey yo, you want a picture? I was like, that's a Boston accent. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we're Fitchburg Fire Department. I was like, oh my god!
0: And we hiked before we sat in the river, right? Because then we went back down to the river and we're sitting in the river for a while, and then it started snowing.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. So we're like sitting in this river in Iceland, but the river is really warm, and everything else is raining and cold. I think none of us brought towels.
1: No. Then, um, yeah we had to get out and be soaking wet freezing cold put our clothes back on over our wet stuff and hike two or three miles back out yeah. in the snow but totally worth it
2: <laughs> yeah, that was really that was probably the coolest well i don't know i'd say that and the dive are probably tied as the coolest things and i see. oh we gotta go back because there's another dive thing <laughs> that i want to do there yeah let's go <laughs>
1: one of my favorite parts was when we went to in the northwest of iceland one of those really steep caves where all the icelandic gulls were making their nests we went right at sunset and from pretty far away you could hear them calling and you could see them right out over the ocean but it was really cool because right as the sun was just setting all of them took off at once. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Crazy. They all went out over the ocean and did this really complicated flying pattern and then went back and just nested for the night. That was really memorable. So yeah.
0: good. Yeah, I think the only other Icelandic memory that I have to add to get a complete picture of our five whirlwind days there was when we were driving out of the northwest corner and it's eight o'clock in the morning and we stop in this gas station to get breakfast. And we're inside the gas station 20 minutes and we walk outside and there's three inches of snow on the ground in the 20 minutes that we had been inside the gas station. I was stuck.
2: We're basically living in our car. Yeah. And, and yeah, just winter camping
0: in the, the car. We camped out next to that first hot spring we mentioned and kind of saw the northern lights through the windows, which was super cool. Yeah, it was a solid trip. So, fast forward 15 months, you two agreed to get in a car with me again for two weeks on a road trip to move my stuff from Maine to Washington. How was the landscape in Wyoming and Idaho different from the landscape in Iceland?
1: It's actually startlingly similar. I know Idaho... We went to Craters of the Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craters of the Moon looked so much like a lot of Iceland. If you blindfolded me and took it off and were like, OK, where are you, and it was Craters of the Moon in Iceland, I don't think I could tell you the difference. It was really shockingly similar. So you can actually see for miles. When we hiked up that cinder cone, it- craters of the moon and saw the sunset and that was the highest point for 20 miles there weren't any trees, there weren't any tall shrubs, you could really see forever, that was really neat
0: that was I- super cool I don't
2: know, we can't talk about craters without mentioning the the lava tube
1: oh, yeah. adventures
2: and going in those caves because that is super awesome, I love how unsupervised it is <laughs> yeah uh, yep collapsed a couple years ago but like you can go in all these other ones they haven't collapsed yet
1: (laughs) (laughs) and the bats they take their bat conservation so seriously
0: which was amazing Yeah.
1: yeah try to prevent white nose syndrome and make sure you're really clean before you go in and see the bats but then they just let you walk into these lava tubes and see the bats that live there that was really cool too
0: that was super cool
2: and then we went to that hot spring near there, which was awesome. And just a, different from the Iceland hot springs.
0: Yeah, do you want to go into that a little more? That's literally my next question that I was going to ask you guys. <laughs> yeah, so
2: I guess you could explain better than us the, how the geology works that creates those things. At Craters of the Moon, there were a couple of really awesome hot springs around that area.
0: Thanks for that segue, Matt. This is a great time for me to cut in and explain a little bit more about these physical phenomena. While we're comparing things to Iceland, the tectonic boundary between the North American and Eurasian plates runs all the way to the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. This plate boundary is known for the ridgeline of mountains that mark it, most of which are under the water. The reason why Iceland has stayed above the water is because there's a particularly active part of the mantle underneath it. So as the plates spread, this hotspot keeps creating new land and building up the island country, rather than allowing it to be eroded away. So as the years go by, Iceland is actually getting bigger. Now, if we instead look at the Wyoming-Idaho portion of our country, we can see similar evidence of an active part of the mantle. This hotspot creates a volcanic environment in the land above it. Yellowstone is the current location of the hotspot, but several million to several thousand years ago, the land of southern Idaho was above it. Hot springs occur in these areas because the groundwater trickles down, gets warmed by the magma, and then rises back up to the surface, forming everything from a nice, human-temperature pool to a steaming, hot, sear-off-your-flesh geyser. So just a word of warning here, make sure you do research on the temperature of a hot spring before you soak in it. And now, back to Craters of the Moon National Monument.
2: Yeah, the hot spring there was larger and deeper, which was really cool. You could actually fully submerge yourself and suck at all the brain-eating amoebas, which was awesome. (laughs) Um, yep. and, and then, uh, the other awesome ones were probably warmer but way shallower and you kind of had to sit in them like a kiddie pool
1: and there were fish in the one yeah. in idaho and it was 80 degree water if
2: if hot any spring. of you your listeners know what the fish would be that live in a hot spring in idaho that has surprisingly warm water for fish to be living in i'd love to know
0: so would i This is a call to any of you listeners who might know a thing or two about hot spring biology. If you have any idea what fish these might be, send me a message on social media. You can find Go Forth in Science on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, though the Twitter account is just me. So send me all you know about Idaho fish biology. So between that hot spring, the Awesome Field hot spring in Iceland, and the hot river in Iceland, if you guys... I know they were all so good, but if you had to pick one, which would be your favorite?
1: The very first one we found in Iceland, the one that was take a left at the building with no roof and you're there, was so cool. Just the surrounding landscape was sort of scrubby. You could see the mountains in the distance. It had this sort of janky pipe that you could use to adjust the
0: hotness. (laughs) Oh yeah, it was rusted and (laughs) calcified and you're
1: like, I'm not sure if this will work, but we'll try it. (laughs) Totally worked. It was perfect. That was my favorite one, I think.
2: I, I, the hot river has to take it for uniqueness. I mean, I think there's only a few of those in the whole world, and that would, was super cool. Yeah, and also the the way it's, it's, there's a larger cold river, and then a smaller actual trickling hot spring that runs into it, and they converge. So at different points, you get different temperatures and the gradients. So you can always find a spot that's the right temperature. And just as a, a geological oddity, that thing is so cool.
0: That was neat. Yeah. I think by default, I will then pick the one in Idaho because it's the last
1: one left
0: as my favorite. <laughs> but also, all, that one had a little bit of adventure going into it, though, too, because there was that giant wasp's nest on the trail to get yeah. to it. <laughs> so well,
2: yeah, I think the Idaho one was probably the most nice to be in and like maybe even the coolest looking because it had that real turquoise, amazing mineral color and it was so deep.
1: And it had those really cool birds that were just hanging around, oh, yeah, there was some awesome wildlife around there.
0: If you could choose your next mantle plate tectonic processes-driven adventure, would you choose to go to a hotspot like Yellowstone, or a plate boundary like Iceland?
2: Let's see, well I guess Iceland was a divergent boundary. And uh, Idaho and Yellowstone are hotspots. So maybe we have to go somewhere with converging
0: <laughs> plates. That's true.
1: <laughs> go to India. India yeah. next. Let's go to Himalayas. Let's do Himalayas. it. Well, or we could just go back to Kate. Ooh, yeah!
0: Come to the subduction zone of <laughs> the Pacific Northwest. Perfect. Love it. <laughs> so, Katie and Matt, thanks for coming on and sharing our fun stories with all of the listeners. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you for having us. It was a blast. And with that, I'll do an episode recap. The mantle is a bunch of hot, molten rock in our Earth, and because of its varying temperatures, it's constantly moving and swirling around. This, in turn, moves our planet's crust that sits on top of the mantle. The crust is broken up into tectonic plates, and as those plates shift around, they interact with each other and the mantle beneath. When two plates come together, or converge, they can create mountain ranges like the Himalayas or the Cascades. When two plates spread apart, they create cracks in the earth and allow the magma to get closer to the surface, forming volcanic landscapes like Iceland. Similar occurrences can happen throughout the globe, though, even in the middle of a tectonic plate, and those are hot spots, like the one that formed Craters of the Moon National Monument in southern Idaho and Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming. These dynamic landscapes, besides being home to volcanoes, mountains, or cones of cinder and ash, can also be a great place to find lava tubes, hot springs, a wealth of cool geology, and of course birds, bats, and probably three crazy friends car camping and nerding out about the wonders of plate tectonics. information in this episode comes from Claire Mallard's 2016 paper, Subduction Controls the Distribution and Fragmentation of Earth's Tectonic Plates, and Christopher Harrison's 2016 paper, The Present-Day Number of Tectonic Plates. Also thanks to the USGS for being my go-to place to make sure I've got the correct vocab for things I haven't thought about in years.